Part two, section fourteen of the Maine Woods by Henry David Thoreau. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part two, Jasuncook, section fourteen. Strange that so few ever come to the woods to see how the pine lives and grows and spires, lifting its evergreen arms to the light, to see its perfect success but most are content to behold it in the shape of many broad boards brought to market and deem that its true success but the pine is no more lumber than man is and to be made into boards and houses is no more its true and highest use than the truest use of a man is to be cut down and made into manure there is a higher law affecting our relation to pines as well as to men a pine cut down a dead pine is no more a pine than a dead human carcass is a man can he who has discovered only some of the values of whalebone and whale oil be said to have discovered the true use of the whale can he who slays the elephant for his ivory be said to have seen the elephant these are petty and accidental uses just as if a stronger race were to kill us in order to make buttons and flageolets of our bones for everything may serve a lower as well as a higher use every creature is better alive than dead men and moose and pine trees and he who understands it aright will rather preserve its life than destroy it is it the lumberman then who is the friend and lover of the pine stands nearest to it and understands its nature best is it the tanner who has barked it or he who has boxed it for turpentine whom posterity will fable to have been changed into a pine at last no no it is the poet he it is who makes the truest use of the pine who does not fondle it with an axe nor tickle it with a saw nor stroke it with a plane who knows whether its heart is false without cutting into it who has not bought the stumpage of the township on which it stands all the pines shudder and heave a sigh when that man steps on the forest floor no it is the poet who loves them as his own shadow in the air and lets them stand i have been into the lumber-yard and the carpenter's shop and the tannery and the lamp-black factory and the turpentine clearing but when at length i saw the tops of the pines waving and reflecting the light at a distance high over all the rest of the forest i realized that the former were not the highest use of the pine it is not their bones or hide or tallow that i love most it is the living spirit of the tree not its spirit of turpentine with which i sympathize and which heals my cuts it is as immortal as i am and perchance will go to as high a heaven there to tower above me still ere long the hunters returned not having seen a moose but in consequence of my suggestions bringing a quarter of the dead one which with ourselves made quite a load for the canoe after breakfasting on moose meat we returned down pine stream on our way to chesuncook lake which was about five miles distant we could see the red carcass of the moose lying in pine stream when nearly half a mile off just below the mouth of this stream where the most considerable rapids between the two lakes called pine stream falls where were large flat rocks washed smooth and at this time you could easily wade across above them joe ran down alone while we walked over the portage my companion collecting spruce gum for his friends at home and i looking for flowers near the lake which we were approaching with as much expectation as if it had been a university 
for it is not often that the stream of our life opens into such expansions were islands and a low and meadowy shore with scattered trees birches white and yellow slanted over the water and maples many of the white birches killed apparently by inundations there was considerable native grass and even a few cattle whose movements we heard though we did not see them mistaking them at first for moose were pastured there on entering the lake where the stream runs southeasterly and for some time before we had a view of the mountains about katahdin katahdinoqua one says they are called like a cluster of blue fungi of rank growth apparently twenty-five or thirty miles distant in a southeast direction their summits concealed by clouds joe called some of them the sawadnehunk mountains this is the name of a stream there which another indian told us meant running between mountains though some lower summits were afterward uncovered we got no more complete view of katahdin while we were in the woods the clearing to which we were bound was on the right of the mouth of the river and was reached by going round a low point where the water was shallow to a great distance from the shore chesuncook lake extends northwest and southeast and is called eighteen miles long and three wide without an island we had entered the northwest corner of it and when near the shore could see only part way down it the principal mountains visible from the land here were those already mentioned between southeast and east and a few summits a little west of north but generally the north and northwest horizon about the st john and the british boundary was comparatively level ansel smith's the oldest and principal clearing about this lake appeared to be quite a harbour for bateaux and canoes seven or eight of the former were lying about and there was a small scow for hay and a capstan on a platform now high and dry ready to be floated and anchored to tow rafts with it was a very primitive kind of harbour where boats were drawn up amid the stumps such a one methought as the argo might have been launched in there were five other huts with small clearings on the opposite side of the lake all at this end and visible from this point one of the smiths told me that it was so far cleared that they came here to live and built the present house four years before though the family had been here but a few months i was interested to see how a pioneer lived on this side of the country his life is in some respects more adventurous than that of his brother in the west for he contends with winter as well as the wilderness and there is a greater interval of time at least between him and the army which is to follow here immigration is a tide which may ebb when it has swept away the pines there it is not a tide but an inundation and roads and other improvements come steadily rushing after as we approach the log house a dozen rods from the lake and considerably elevated above it the projecting ends of the logs lapping over each other irregularly several feet at the corners gave it a very rich and picturesque look far removed from the meanness of weatherboards it was a very spacious low building about eighty feet long with many large apartments the walls were well clayed between the logs which were large and round except on the upper and under sides and as visible inside as out successive bulging cheeks gradually lessening upwards and tuned to each other with the axe like pandean pipes probably the musical forest gods had not yet cast them aside they never do till they are split or the bark is gone it was a style of architecture not described by vitruvius i suspect though possibly hinted at in the biography of orpheus none of your frilled or fluted columns which have cut such a false swell 
and support nothing but a gable end and their builders pretensions that is with the multitude and as for ornamentation one of those words with a dead tail which architects very properly use to describe their flourishes there were the lichens and mosses and fringes of bark which nobody troubles himself about we certainly leave the handsomest paint and clabbards behind in the woods when we strip off the bark and poison ourselves with white lead in the towns we get but half the spoils of the forest for beauty give me trees with the fur on this house was designed and constructed with the freedom of stroke of a forester's axe without other compass and square than nature uses wherever the logs were cut off by a window or door that is were not kept in place by alternate overlapping they were held one upon another by very large pins driven in diagonally on each side where branches might have been and then cut off so close up and down as not to project beyond the bulge of the log as if the logs clasped each other in their arms these logs were posts studs boards clapboards laths plaster and nails all in one where the citizen uses a mere sliver or board the pioneer uses the whole trunk of a tree the house had large stone chimneys and was roofed with spruce bark the windows were imported all but the casings one end was a regular logger's camp for the boarders with the usual fir floor and log benches thus this house was but a slight departure from the hollow tree which the bear still inhabits being a hollow made with trees piled up with a coating of bark like its original the cellar was a separate building like an ice-house and it answered for a refrigerator at this season our moose-meat being kept there it was a potato-hole with a permanent roof each structure and institution here was so primitive that you could at once refer it to its source but our buildings commonly suggest neither their origin nor their purpose there was a large and what farmers would call handsome barn part of whose boards had been sawed by a whip-saw and the saw-pit with its great pile of dust remained before the house the long split shingles on a portion of the barn were laid a foot to the weather suggesting what kind of weather they have here grant's barn at caribou lake was said to be still larger the biggest ox-nest in the woods fifty feet by a hundred think of a monster barn in that primitive forest lifting its grey back above the tree-tops man makes very much such a nest for his domestic animals of withered grass and fodder as the squirrels and many other wild creatures do for themselves there was also a blacksmith's shop where plainly a good deal of work was done the oxen and horses used in lumbering operations were shod and all the iron work of sleds etc was repaired or made here i saw them load a bateau at the moosehead carry the next tuesday with about thirteen hundredweight of bar iron for this shop this reminded me how primitive and honourable a trade was vulcan's i do not hear that there was any carpenter or tailor among the gods the smith seems to have preceded these and every other mechanic at chesuncook as well as on olympus and his family is the most widely dispersed whether he be christened john or ansel smith owned two miles down the lake by half a mile in width there were about one hundred acres cleared here he cut seventy tons of english hay this year on this ground and twenty more on another clearing and he uses it all himself in lumbering operations the barn was crowded with pressed hay and a machine to press it there was a large garden full of roots turnips beets carrots potatoes etc all of great size they said that they were worth as much here as in new york i suggested some currants for sauce especially as they had no apple trees set out 
and showed how easily they could be obtained there was the usual long-handled axe of the primitive woods by the door three and a half feet long for my new black ash rule was in constant use and a large shaggy dog whose nose report said was full of porcupine quills i can testify that he looked very sober this is the usual fortune of pioneer dogs for they have to face the brunt of the battle for their race and act the part of arnold winkelried without intending it if he should invite one of his town friends up this way suggesting moose meat and unlimited freedom the latter might pertinently inquire what is that sticking in your nose when a generation or two have used up all the enemy's darts their successors lead a comparatively easy life we owe to our fathers analogous blessings many old people receive pensions for no other reason it seems to me but as a compensation for having lived a long time ago no doubt our town dogs still talk in a snuffling way about the days that tried dogs noses how they got a cat up there i do not know for they are as shy as my aunt about entering a canoe i wondered that she did not run up a tree on the way but perhaps she was bewildered by the very crowd of opportunities twenty or thirty lumberers yankee and canadian were coming and going alec among the rest and from time to time an indian touched here in the winter there are sometimes a hundred men lodged here at once the most interesting piece of news that circulated among them appeared to be that four horses belonging to smith worth seven hundred dollars had passed by farther into the woods a week before the white pine tree was at the bottom or farther end of all this it is a war against the pines the only real aroostook or penobscot war i have no doubt that they lived pretty much the same sort of life in the homeric age for men have always thought more of eating than of fighting then as now their minds ran chiefly on the hot bread and sweet cakes and the fur and lumber trade is an old story to asia and europe i doubt if men ever made a trade of heroism in the days of achilles even they delighted in big barns and perchance in pressed hay and he who possessed the most valuable team was the best fellow we had designed to go on at evening up the kakom gomak whose mouth was a mile or two distant to the lake of the same name about ten miles off but some indians of joe's acquaintance who were making canoes on the kakom gomak came over from that side and gave so poor an account of the moose hunting so many had been killed there lately that my companions concluded not to go there joe spent this sunday and the night with his acquaintances the lumberers told me that there were many moose hereabouts but no caribou or deer a man from old town had killed ten or twelve moose within a year so near the house that they heard all his guns his name may have been hercules for aught i know though i should rather have expected to hear the rattling of his club but no doubt he keeps pace with the improvements of the age and uses a sharps rifle now probably he gets all his armour made and repaired at smith's shop one moose had been killed and another shot at within sight of the house within two years i do not know whether smith has yet got a poet to look after the cattle which on account of the early breaking up of the ice are compelled to summer in the woods but i would love to suggest this office to such of my acquaintances as love to write verses and go a-gunning after a dinner at which applesauce was the greatest luxury to me but our moose meat was oftenest called for by the lumberers i walked across the clearing into the forest southward returning along the shore for my dessert i helped myself to a large slice of the chesuncook woods and took a hearty draught of its waters with all my senses the woods were as fresh and full of vegetable life as a lichen in wet weather 
and contain many interesting plants but unless they are of white pine they are treated with as little respect here as a mildew and in the other case they are only the more quickly cut down the shore was of coarse flat slate rocks often in slabs with the surf beating on it the rocks and bleached drift logs extending some way into the shaggy woods showed a rise and fall of six or eight feet caused partly by the dam at the outlet they said that in winter the snow was three feet deep on a level here and sometimes four or five that the ice on the lake was two feet thick clear and four feet including the snow ice ice had already formed in vessels we lodged here this sunday night in a comfortable bedroom apparently the best one and all that i noticed unusual in the night for i still kept taking notes like a spy in the camp was the creaking of the thin split boards when any of our neighbors stirred end of part two section fourteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine